This episode is dedicated to the memory of George Floyd and anyone affected by racial prejudice, police brutality and racism. The Notorious POD is a hip-hop podcast and as such we stand firmly for the fight for justice and equality for the black community. This is a message of solidarity with that cause. If there is anything our humble platform can do to help, please feel free to reach out to us and contact us directly. Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Hello world and welcome to Notorious P.O.D. I'm your host John Bass. It is another Hip Hop Forum episode, which means I am joined by Cal, a.k.a. Cal Qaeda. What's up, bro? All right. How's it going, champ? Good, mate. And we're also joined by the imperious Thelonious Phil. How are you, mate? What's up? What's up? Yeah, not bad, man. Um, enjoying the good weather through the window. <laughs> lock, lock, lockdown vibes. Lockdown. Is, lo- is lockdown still a thing now? I feel like well, where I am like at the weekend, just gone everyone was just in the park and it did have this whiff of like oh fuck it <laughs> like everyone just seemed to be like oh i don't really care anymore like everyone is observing it through the week but i think there's less and less like people are giving a shit yeah there, there was a lot of that but i'm still going to observe it as long as you know as long as it's still there i'll, I'll still observe it yeah absolutely until there's a, a vaccine or whatever then you know yeah you got to observe it as much as you can but yeah you're right bass it was uh People are people are over it now. People are just completely over it. I went I went for a walk, you know, yesterday. I went for a walk by the canal, and there was just people everywhere. People in their gardens having. You could see like there was like six, seven people. It's like okay, not everybody lives there. It's a tiny little house. People are just people are fed up, which I understand. Yeah, and also I think like the rules are so like confusing that when you apply them to some situations, you're like, well, if that makes sense, surely this makes sense. Um, I think, you know, it would have been better if it's just like, it's locked down until it's not locked down. Um, yeah. And for me, it's not proper lockdowns finished until the pubs are open, mate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's going to be the last things are open as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because they, they know the real geezer activity is going to the battle cruiser with your geezer mates. Yeah. Like <laughs> hold us back. It's fucking bang out. Um, <laughs> we've, got, um, we've got some good stuff to go through. Some like just fun shit uh, to talk about today. Um, we've got some chat about the new Gibbs project, which is exciting. Uh, talk a little bit about Snoop's legacy, which is going to be fun. Um, Swiss Beats talking about taxes on rappers versus DMX. DMX about Lloyd Banks. There's loads of shit, plus all of your listener questions. Um, but we did have a question from Flav um, from The Fighting Cock, basically asking us, if Biggie Smalls hadn't been shot, would he still have died from heart disease before he had time to destroy his legacy? Um, and, and it got me It got me thinking... Um, where have all the fat rappers gone? Because when I look at hip hop now, where where are the like Fat Joes, Big Puns, uh, Biggies? Like where where are they all? Everyone now is like skinny, tatted up, face tats. Like is is this a trend that we've um, that we've missed? What what are the reasons, Cal? Uh, all the drugs that they're taking now. All the young rappers take loads <laughs> of drugs, <laughs> and so don't eat as much. And yeah, the, the first person that came to mind when you said, where's the fat rappers gone, was when I thought about Rick Ross and how he got really into pears and lost a shitload of weight. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that, when he got really into pears? Yeah. <laughs> Rick Ross, and I mean, there's nothing quite uh, quite like a gangster like moving towards a healthy healthier lifestyle mm. um, and losing some weight. But yeah, I just it's just a weird... Um, it's a weird thing. Rick Ross, I guess, is the only... Let's say like fuller, fuller man of the newer generation that that springs to mind. Um, but there there were loads back in the day. Do you um? And also I saw something this week. Um, do you remember Gorilla Gorilla Black? Yes. yes. The Biggie impersonator. Well, that's probably a bit harsh, but that's how I remember him because he just sounded and looked looked a little bit like him. Um. So yeah, I just it just kind of got me thinking about him. But yeah, it's weird, isn't it? See that there's like there's just literally no, no fat rappers now. Yeah, I'll, I'll he... Bring it back. Bring it back. I think a Gorilla Black he used to sound like um, DMX before. He's a bit of a chameleon like that. Um, I'm not sure. I think now there's a lot more image involved now than in the past. Um, in the 90s, you can have rappers 
it'll be around for a while. I won't even remember what they look like because there's no album cover or nothing. But these days, people are out there straight away. So, you know. Yeah, it's a good point. I think it's also true. Like, if you just think of, like, music generally, there wasn't so much weight put on how people looked. You know, if you think of, like, some great artists that are, that are pretty random-looking, if they were around now, I think they would find it harder to to kind of come, become successful because they don't have the image that would back it up. Now, the likes of Elton John, I'm thinking of, right? Kind of a weird-looking guy. If he was out now, he's he's not handsome enough to push it. There, there, there's the odd few exceptions. I'm thinking like Ed Sheeran, for example, is not exactly like all about how is how he looks. And Lewis Capaldi. Yeah, exactly. So there are there are obviously some exceptions, but I think um, yeah, I think maybe you're right. It's just like less about image, especially like the early days of hip hop. Particularly, it was really not about that. So I think, I think even if they were fat, they'd have to lose a weight. I mean, Conway the Machine's not small. True. True. Two things. Uh, first of all, rest in peace, Fred the Godson, because uh, he was a bigger guy, and it's made me think of him. Yeah. And secondly, the fashion these days doesn't lend itself to bigger guys either, does it? Mate, I can I can attest for that. Yeah. Uh, that that is a struggle for me on a daily basis, um, squeezing into skinny jeans with fucking tree trunk legs, yeah. um, and and trying to trying to get away with a large t shirt when I'm clearly a double XL. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, mate, that's a very good point. Like, you know, hip-hop fashion was all about fucking baggy and oversized clothes. Uh, and, yeah, now it's, it's all about skinny skinny jeans and the top off the shit. Tim Messer just to wear 5XL T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> mate, so, do you remember recently it was all popping off about Tim Westwood being like a fucking dirty old perv and having sex mm-hmm. with like, young girls and all that sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. So I was, like, Googling, a, Googling for a picture to, like, ma- like, make a post about him. And honestly, just you just forget, like, some of his get-up back in the day, I mean, it's bad now, but some of his get-up back in the day was fucking ludicrous. <laughs> like, incredible outfits. Like, full, full, like, FUBU, oversized FUBU tracksuits. Yeah. Like, G-unit sneakers, and then just the gelled, slick back hair. It's, like, fucking incredible. Nuts. And he was probably, what, 45, 50? <laughs> yeah. The thing is, he's been, like, 45, 50 forever, it feels like. Yeah, he's in his 60s now, isn't he? Yeah, 63 now. Bravo. Yeah. It's a very difficult one because, you know, my early days of hip-hop was Tim Westwood on Capital Radio, you know, playing all the early, getting the early releases and the early freestyles. So I find it hard to completely slate him because he played a big part in, you know, in hip-hop and me getting into it, all the concerts, the Child Quad Quest, all these people coming over. He'd He'd bring them over, but yeah, it's a massive parody. Yeah, it, it's it's a tough one. I mean, it's not on the running order, but it's, it's quite interesting while we're talking about it. Like Westwood's legacy is is also weird because I agree. Like he's one of the reasons or one of the kind of main outlets of of hip hop that kind of was a conduit for me anyway into like listening to it more. And he did it. He did a lot for uh, you know the U.S. hip hop scene breaking into the U.K. in terms of like get, coming into homes and stuff like that. And he he has done a lot um, for hip hop in that sense. Um, but but he is also just a bit of a seedy old man now, and it's a little bit. He's going the other way. I think he was generally kind of universally like respected, mm. and he's become a bit of a figure of fun um, more and more. And now with the whole like you know having sex with quite young girls, is not not helping his case. But um, it's a weird one, isn't it? His legacy is a bit weird now. I think. Yeah, because you compare it to someone like David Rodigan, and <laughs> David Rodigan is like universally loved. You know, David Rodigan's probably the reggae yeah. equivalent, dare, dare I say, but David Rodigan's not really a parody of a black guy. He's just himself, and, and he's got the respect of um, Jamaica and people in the scene, and Westwood is someone who's just, um, you know, talks like an idiot. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he, he jumped the shark when he started doing the CDs. He started doing the compilation CDs. And it sounds like a good concept, but all he did was just put all the usual pop rap songs on there. I remember he had Sean Paul on one of them, and it was like, you're a hip-hop DJ, why are you putting Sean Paul on it? I remember being really weirded out by that. And then the other thing, if I remember rightly, didn't he host Pimp My Ride? Yes, the he UK did. version. Yeah. yeah, and it was just, that was when he kind of jumped the shark and just became a parody instead of someone that's supposed to be representing the culture. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I absolutely couldn't, couldn't agree more, boys. But yeah, just just an interesting guy. But anyway, um, so yeah, so Flav, to answer your question about um, fat rappers, there are still some around, but we think it's to do with um, fashion, basically, and image. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, goes on. All right, let's um, let's get into the first the first kind of um, story that we want to go into. Big controversy this week, uh, mainly in these circles on our on our chat. Gibbs, uh, Freddie Gibbs' new project, Alfredo with Alchemist, dropped this week. Uh, we've all listened to it. We've all got very different views. What I think is probably the best thing to do is for us each to just give like our like initial summary, and then we can kind of d- debate any differences. So, T, I'll, I'll start with you, mate. What's um, what's your overall review of Freddie Gibbs' new project, mate? Uh, it's fucking amazing. Played it a good. I played it three or four times in the morning of the release, and it's not something I generally do. Um, I tried to ease back into hyperbole, but it just keeps getting better with each project, and him and Alchemist are a good fit. Um, previously, it was Alchemist, um, it was Alchemist Gibbs, and uh, Currency. That's it. Yes, yes. And that wasn't as impressive, but um, I think this one just really blows it out of the water. Good stuff, Cal. You 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 said see then about the currency project. Do you think there was like there was a WhatsApp group for them, currency alchemist and Freddie Gibbs, and then one day Gibbs and Alchemist had like a sidebar and said, <laughs> "Look, currency's in the way. He's shit mug. Let's just do our own album." <laughs> a breakaway, breakaway yeah. league. <laughs> yeah, they did their breakaway group, even though it doesn't make sense to have a two-person group. That's what they did. They, they It's what's called a sidebar. They had a little sidebar and just said, look, he's a mug. He's a shit mug. He keeps rapping about the same stuff. Let's just let's just get rid of him. But uh, in terms of the, the album, it kind of made it kind of um, reminded me a bit of To Pimp a Butterfly, not in the sense that the 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 the, the stuff that the stuff he's talking about or the sound or anything like that but it's very much an album it's very much one piece of art or one piece of work that all kind of goes together um at first the first couple of listens i couldn't find any songs that i really loved loved it was more i more just appreciated the whole project but then i messaged t yesterday and said frank lucas because that song fucking bangs and i love alchemist so much anyway i think he could make i said i'm on record of saying i think he could make a good album with little zane and i stand by that and uh i think he's great and i really like it i really like the album gibbs is on a hell of a run he's on a hell of a run Mm -hmm. uh fair fair comments i will um my dimension is is kind of similar to what you just said there cal which is like so I've given the album a couple of listens. My first listen, uh, I also felt this whole, like it's a very distinct sound actually that they've created, like this landscape and this like theme for this album is very like clear. And mm. I think they've done a really good job between them in creating this world that this album lives in. Like it's not like groundbreaking. It's not like they've reinvented the genre, but they have like touched upon this. Like I think someone referred to it as like, prog rocky hip-hop which i think is pretty good description of it like it's quite um quite interesting in that sense so i think from that perspective like it's a it's definitely a success in terms of actually making a uh a complete piece of work like you said an actual like definitive album um that from a creative point of view like the beats are really interesting and different to what's out there and again like alchemist like he just whenever he does something he always is trying to create something that is at least interesting and like different to everyone else. He's not just making the same beats he's been making for forever. And as much as I love Premiere, like I will always love Premiere, as soon as you hear his beats, you can tell it's him because he's kept to his signature sound. And I admire the fact that Alchemist has pushed, you know, pushed his kind of style and his process forward, which is really interesting. That's a good show. Yeah. and, And I think that that's got to be to his testament. And I've seen like a couple of articles about Alchemist in the sense of like, well, he's never really created like a, a a masterpiece album, you know. Like, you know, everyone's got an album that they produced that, you know, stands out, and he hasn't got that. And my kind of like counter to that is, but yeah, but he's produced a shitload of like, if they're not ten out of tens, they're like a shitload of nine out of ten albums. Like, is it better to have created one ten out of ten and then, you know, just been in the background for years, or to have just been an eight out of ten for for your entire career? It's so like a different metric to me. 
so there's that side of it so in that sense like yeah of course it's a it's a good album i think gibbs as a rapper like i've never been a massive fan but this run he's on like um you know madlib previously in terms of like uh, pinata and bandana and and obviously now alchemist with this it's hard to argue that he's you know he's not in the mix in terms of like output wise but as a rapper like he just he's never resonated with me like i've never listened to him and think like fuck that is absolute bars like this is incredible like he is he is the guy like his voice doesn't really do it for me i don't think his subject matter is like particularly exciting for me it's quite um his delivery is quite relaxed i would say and actually that's why this album works from that perspective because it's quite mellow and chilled and so that point that point of view it's a triumph but i don't like that sound and so for me it just doesn't resonate with me and my my overall view of it was kind of like this is really nice to listen to like sunset hip-hop in a nice location smoking a joint uh kicking back great but that's not what i like from my hip-hop i like some fucking gully garbage nem shit uh (laughs) fucking that's i want it to be a bit more upbeaty and it was just a little bit a bit too chilled for my taste but i, I can never say it's a bad album because it's just a very very well made and good album i think alchemist heard bandana and definitely took a leaf out of that with this mm-hmm. album it's very much got a kind of movie sort of theme to it. All, all the songs kind of linked together um in terms of um freddie gibbs's subject matter i think his image kind of plays into that as, as well yeah in that you done a song on bandana called Education, which you know, yeah, is a black, you know, black experience, black life, and all that stuff. And on Alfredo, he does a song called Scotty Bean. Mm. And you know, in light of the George Floyd stuff that's happened in the last week, it's quite apt. And you know, one of the lines is made it on a t shirt, um, my execution will be televised. And you know, that's that's really good social commentary. And you know, I mean, he's not Freddie Gibbs ain't gonna make um. It's not going to do anything like, I don't know, Deltron 3030 or, I don't know, Mad Villainy or anything like that. He's just going to be himself. And I think the, the production from Alchemist is a testament to that. And it brings back to another conversation about what do producers do? Do they actually tell the rapper to rap in this way or that way? Maybe that's what happened in this album. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes me think of uh, what you just said there, team. Uh, just towards the end there about you know what do the producer what does the producer do and it makes me think of the the black album i think it was pharrell that said this is carlito's way final scene and he kind of just throws a little something for jay-z to just uh, in terms of subject matter and perhaps that's what alchemist does perhaps he doesn't do that at all perhaps he just he's a beat maker and he gives him a beat but I heard, I know we're going to talk about Lloyd Banks later on, and he said something in an interview. He was talking to Joe Budden and that on Joe Budden's podcast, and he said, I've never really been produced before. Like, mm. I've just had guys give me beats. And maybe that's what that's what happened on this project, was that Freddie Gibbs allowed himself, and with and the Madlib projects as well, was to allow himself to be produced completely from top to bottom by one producer. Um, I, I, I think... Gibbs kind of turned the corner when he did You Only Live Twice. That was when I really started to pay attention to him. Um, I know he did um, Shadow of a Doubt before then and he did uh, Pinata before then. And those are both good projects. But I think this is this is the You Only Live Twice was kind of the start for me of that, this kind of up curve. And he does touch on some really quite deep kind of uh, stuff then as well, because he just got out of prison. He'd had that that charge over in Germany. And I think that's when he really started to change his subject matter and change what he was talking about. Um, yeah, I think it's, I, I enjoyed it. I think it's a great project. Yeah, all good points, boys. And in terms of like the um, producer thing, I think it's a really interesting discussion because if, if you think about, um, you know, Nas's most recent project, Kanye, that, that feels a lot like, oh, here you go. You need to rap like this because I'm making you these type of beats, not producing the best Nas project. Like he's basically gone, this is a Kanye project and you now need to fit into that. And I think what you can tell with Alchemist on this is he's kind of, you're right, I think, um, T, you made the point that he's, he's listened to um, what Madlib's done previously with Gibbs and gone, okay, well, how do I get the most out of this guy? And it, like I said, it doesn't resonate with me personally, but this is a perfect marriage between like a rapper's best attributes and like the beats that he's supplied him. So 
whichever way round he's done it, he has made like he has complimented the artist that he's made these beats for or produced. So I think from that point of view, like the credit has to go to both of them for for making a project that works and fits within the realm of what they were trying to create. So um, yeah, massive respect on on that point. Um, in terms of we've we've spoken a little bit about Gibbs's run and the fact that this album is you know clearly a, a success from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, Gibbs Gibbs has been saying that he should be up there with Kendrick and Cole in terms of this conversation. Um, here, you know, is this is this the usual bluster from a rapper, or does he have a point? Um, T, what, what do you think about this, mate? Because based on the run, maybe he's not wrong. I I think in rap you got to back yourself. I mean, it's similar to when people are trying to call it R.A. the rugged man, just getting Eminem's flow. R.A. will back himself up against anyone, and. With Gibbs, he's done his body of work is, you know, is really good, and he should be up there with the best. I feel that I do agree with what you said in that he's a bit one-dimensional, and he hasn't got that appeal that maybe J Cole and and Kendrick have. I think Freddie Gibbs appeals to a certain audience, and I don't, and I think Kendrick and J Cole kind of transcend that a bit. But he's definitely one of the best rappers since 2010. You know, him, um, you know, Rock Marshall is probably another example of someone who's done a good amount of albums since then. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you think, Cal? Yeah, no, I agree with T to the most part. I, I think, you know, I think you have to remember the machine that, that Kendrick in particular is in. He's in the fucking Dr. Dre, Jimmy Iovine, Apple Music machine. And so he's not, he has to kind of follow a, follow a certain image and go along a certain path. Whereas you look at Gibbs anyone that follows Gibbs on Instagram and watches his story every day, like I do, it shows he's his own man. He's not going to be told what to tweet, what to post, what to do. He just posts, posts ratchet shit every day. And he, he's going to make the music about what he wants to make it about. He's going to work who he wants to work with. Whereas I don't think J Cole and Kendrick have that freedom. And, like I said, Kendrick, they Kendrick and Cole have the machine, and they have a, a corporate kind of image, and I think that's what that's probably why they're seen as better than him. But I don't think it's particularly true right now, considering the the, the run that Gibbs is on. Yeah, absolutely. He's put he's put himself in position. I like ultimately, it's about your output. Like he has he has got you know certainly um, Bandana and Pinata, they're kind of universally like um, heralded as being you know amazing top tier projects. It's still early days for Alfredo, but obviously most most people uh, you know love it. So, if you've got three albums of you know rated at that level, people really like them and they're resonating. And you're getting the respect. You're working with the sort of producers. Like it's hard, it is hard to argue against that, really. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I think he's he's in with a shout for that conversation. Now I, I do I do think that like I don't personally rate him, but if you just look at it objectively, like he, I think he has to be really. Um, so yeah. Really interesting points. Right, we're going to have a, a quick break. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. We cannot on. come off this subject without talking about Gibbs picking on LL Cool J or um, on Instagram. We have to talk about this. Go on. It's too funny. Well, basically, LL Cool J's done this little video rapping about yeah. all the stuff that's going on in America right now, and Freddie Gibbs has just been taking the piss out of him for the last few days, saying his bars are shit. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that, you know. Oh my god, you gotta look at it. It's so funny. Like, yeah, LL's done this little freestyle and he's wearing like a Black Lives Matter hoodie and he's doing these bars and they are shit to be honest. And Freddie Gibbs puts it on his story and just it's just taking the piss out of him and just saying, <laughs> Oh, listen to your whack ass bars and all this stuff. Oh. And uh he then dug up uh Gibbs then dug up a song that LL Cool J did called Accidental Racist, I think it was called, that he did with this country singer years ago. A few uh-huh. years ago, and he's just kind of picked that out as well. It's oh, amazing. It's hilarious. I've, I've missed all of that. That that is fucking hilarious. So I've seen I've seen the LL rap, which yeah. I, I also felt was a little bit cringe, but certainly coming from the right place. And you know, he, he is he's a legend in in hip hop. So it's like, well, he kind of gets a pass. But I, I also think it's fucking hilarious that someone's just dug him out. Um, so the, yeah. the, the funny bit of it was Pete Rock um, posted it. And then, you know, put a fire, fire emoji and Fred gives his comments, nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then today, on his Instagram story, he posts it again. He says, it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
he is such a savage Gibbs. Like his his Insta stories are fucking hilarious. Uh, he he doesn't give a shit, and and to be honest, I think I like him more than I like him as a rapper because he is fucking hilarious. Who's that guy? Is it David Guetta? David Guetta, that yeah. Cringe thing lately. Yeah. Him and LL should do an album together. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. EDM with those runs over it. Yeah, yeah. and then Martin Luther King quotes like played in just before the drop. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and then both of them like holding hands of a police officer on the cover. Okay, Cal, I've, um, I've heard on the street that you fucking hate Snoop Dogg and, <laughs> you, and you've been waiting for a platform to go in on him for some time. So, mate, the floor, the floor is yours. Feel free to, um, to dig out dig out Snoop Dogg. Fucking... Oh, do you know what? Like... <laughs> Why did that bust you go? <laughs> uh, God, like... Do you know what it was? I was talking to a friend of mine the other day on... Uh, on on my phone and she asked me like, what do you think of Snoop Dogg and I was like mm, he's cool like he's cool yeah he's Snoop Dogg yeah he's fine and then she just kind of sent me this like fucking 500 word dissertation on why he's a cunt and why he's shit and I was just like you, know you kind of got a point like and I just kind of feel like like I've just I, I've just opened up like my Apple Music and he's made like four or five good albums out of you know, 20 albums. But if you'd asked me a few years ago, I'd say he's like one of the best ever. But he's kind of like a parody of what a gangster rapper should be. And I kind of feel like he'd do anything for a pound note. He'd do anything for a pound note. And he just kind of, he's happy to be kind of like the fucking, the clown, the Chris Kamara of hip hop. Like, <laughs> just... Yeah, laugh at me. Let let take the piss out of me, and while I do lettering on fucking Just Eat adverts, it's just yeah. I don't know. I've kind of changed my mind about him now. I kind of think he's a shit mug, and I'd probably rather listen to R. Kelly than listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Um, well, T, I'd like to get your take on this because um, you know I'm I'm kind of now I've heard that I'm not necessarily like I'm not raging against it, so. I'd like, like Snoop to... Lion, for fuck's sake. Oh, yeah, I'm going to fucking grow... I'm going to stick some beeswax in my, in my braids and grow, turn them into dreads. And Oh, I'm, I'm a reggae artist now. I'll fuck off, die. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still love him and I always will, man. People evolve. Um, it's not like he was... It's not like it's a mortal technique doing the adverts. Snoop Dogg was never like some kind of massive lefty, you know, fighting against the man, was he? You know, and even and even now when he's when he's talking about going against Oprah and Gil, whatever, whatever her surname is, regarding the R. Kelly stuff, um no. you know, he's never been that kind of guy. So him doing a just D advert and stuff like that doesn't really bother me that much. I think he's um obviously he's not he's not as gangster as he used to be, but that's that's got no longevity, is it? Being yeah. kicked out of England and being that gangster. So I think his legacy is his legacy is still fine. I mean it's a bit like I guess it's like Ice Cube, you know, like he started out as this really angry guy. Then he does um, films like Are We There Yet? Yeah. But his Ice Cube's tweets over the last few days shows that he's still that guy, you know, and I guess Snoop Dogg is similar. Snoop Dogg is a bit like an uncle now, you know what I mean? He's got his own show, Smoking Weed, there's guests on the show. And I mean, his Instagram is a bit misguided. I don't follow him, but some of the stuff he posts, I think, ah. Oh, it's just so ashy, but I think his legacy is fine. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think we're we're kind of somewhere in the middle, which is that um, he probably gets like a lot of respect for stuff that he did quite a while ago, and a lot of the stuff that he's done more recently has been allowed to slide because of what he did previously, mm -hmm. uh, which is true for a lot of hip hop legends. Like we talk, we talk all the time about mad shit um, that you know rappers and producers and stuff from you know from the golden era or from the 90s post that's just mental and if someone a new artist had posted they'd be fucking cancelled immediately um so you know in that sense like his legacy would have already been tarnished if it if it was for you know stuff that's happened and it hasn't been so therefore his legacy is kind of secured he'd have to literally do an r kelly or some sort of um hip-hop joseph fritzel for anyone to really be like fuck this guy because 
let's be honest, Just Eat adverts are pretty cringe and he doesn't need the money. So he's literally just like, oh, fuck it, I'll do it because it's going to pay me loads and it'll be easy work. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's not really like affecting that. One thing I would say, though, on on the is he really that great thing? If we're going to go down this rabbit hole, I want to explore this a little bit. <laughs> um, Snoop's obviously got some great albums and he's got bangers, right? And he's got if so I've seen him live and it was amazing because it was just like he's got loads of bangers. But his bars are fucking basic, aren't they? Like yeah, he's got yeah. he's got no nothing really. It's, it is all like fur coat and no knickers, isn't it? Like it's all style. There's no like there's nothing that he says and you go, oh, fucking hell. What a great line like that is so deep or that is clever wordplay. It's just it just rhymes nicely and sounds nice because he's got a like great voice, iconic voice, smooth, like West Coast delivery. Like, but he doesn't say anything. Like, he's, he's never really gone into. Aside from like, um, one eight seven and like tracks like Deep Cover and stuff like that, where it's like a subject matter. That, but that was a long time ago. And yeah. he's, well, he did he did a good verse on the Jay Z album. What is it? Something about Miami on the La Familia album. He did a good good little verse on that. I think he has got bars in him, but he's just. I think that. He, his verse on uh, nothing but a G thing, that's not that's not going to build you a thirty year career. Mm. He's staying on that sort of vibe, and hip hop's moved on. I do feel like he'll say anything though. He'll say anything to try and almost gain clout. You know what I mean? It's like now in hip hop, people are talking about black issues a lot more, and he's more on that vibe now. When he kind of made a career out of calling black women bitches and hoes, so. I don't know. I mean, it's, as I said, this is all devil's advocate stuff here. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, all right. So I think I think we're um, all in agreement. Snoop Dogg's a shit mug. Mm. And needs to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I remembered halfway through this conversation that I actually had tickets to go and see him in April. So now, now I'm a shit mug for buying the tickets <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> but no, I like him really. I, I like him, but it's just he is. He's a he is a bit of a parody and he's a bit of a Chris Kamara. He's just kind of, yeah, look at me, I'm stupid, laugh at me. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyone, anyone approaching 50 in hip-hop, what are they, and they're still mm. in the public, what are they now, you know what I mean? No one's really, everybody thinks that they're this elder statesman, statement that, that age, statesman, sorry, at that age, but they're not really. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair, and, and also, yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm joking, I love him. Seen him live, I'd recommend anyone see him live. His show's great, he's got bangers, um, but, and also the the just eat advert. I mean, it's actually all right though, isn't it? Like it's a it's just a classic Snoop Dogg track. It's, yeah, it could yeah. if it wasn't about just eat, it would be fine. It would just sit on a load of his albums. So, um, fuck it. He's the greatest ever. Top top five number one. Bang. Swiss Beats. Do you know when I think of Swiss Beats? Yeah, I always think about. Do you remember in Friends when Ross gets his piano out and he just starts making his little songs and he's like, and it's just all sound effects and fuck. I just think of Swiss Beats when I when I like, that's what I think about. It's the guy with the piano with a load of weird sound effects. Um, he's so fucking rubbish, Swiss Beats. Never <laughs> understood why people rate him at all. Mate, did a couple of DMX albums. Like, my, he's so fucking overrated. Oh, yeah, I I, th- I think he basically got really lucky with like a, a sound that worked for a little, very very little yeah. bit, and with some artists that fit that really well, and they just couldn't do anything else with anyone else. Everything else from him is fucking terrible. I, I really like Money Cash Hose with Jay Z. That was a fucking banger. Um, and there's a few bits and pieces, but generally he's fucking shit. Um, he's Ross with Swiss Beats. Is Ross with a keyboard? Yeah. Um, get fucked. <laughs> But <laughs> Ross's verse on um, Alfredo was really good. Or oh, Ricky Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah Rick Ross. Yeah. Yeah, I was oh, say, fuck. Ross Geller just dropping fucking bombs, mate. Um, yeah, mate. Streets. Actually, to cut back on that, um, Tyler, the creator's verse on Alfredo uh, is fucking great. Oh, it was amazing. Great feature. That is my favourite track, actually. I really liked that. It's uh, weird, isn't it? It's like, whenever, whenever I hear him rap, I really want to hear him rap about butt sex because I know how uncomfortable he's making people and it just makes me so happy that he's doing that. Because the yeah. album is just completely gutted. He talks about tops being tight. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, it's great. It's just fucking, it's great. Um, it's actually very, like, the actual con- construction of that verse is very, very smart as well. Yeah. 
and worth listening to. But yeah, sorry, uh, Swiss Beats. So he suggested recently, so obviously Swiss Beats have been kind of all over the place talking about the versus battles that have been on Instagram while everyone's been on lockdown. And obviously there's been a number of different uh, artists getting involved in it um, and a lot of golden era artists. And one of the things that he's talked about, which is, you know, one of the things I actually think is very interesting and a very good point is we obviously have like kind of what's considered sort of the golden era hip hop head. So like the 90s, so you obviously like the Rizzes and the premieres that have been on there. Um, but they actually kind of saw the beginning of the commercial rewards of hip hop. So a lot of them are fairly wealthy individuals now um, and, you know, could, could make some commercial hits to make some money. But he, he kind of made a point that, that the whole generation before that, the kind of cool hercs of this world, mm. um, never experienced that. They kind of like created and birthed this amazing music and culture that we all enjoy now, but they never really were able to enjoy their financial success. So he came up with this idea that that potentially between the, the existing community, there should be this fund created that, you know, we could essentially give a million dollars to each of the founding figures in hip hop, um, which I don't know if I coined this term. I definitely said it without reading it elsewhere, but reparations. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of, when I read it, first of all, I was like, that's a fucking good idea. Like, I actually don't see any downside to that. It's coming from the culture to give back. I actually think it's a really nice thing but i haven't really thought about it any further than that's a cool idea and i thought it'd be good for us to to talk about it so t i don't know don't know if you've had some time to think about this mate if you've got any views on it no it seems like a good idea and in theory i think he a lot of people thought he meant the younger generation will all have to pay it but you know you hear about stories about um herc being in trouble financially and health wise and um I think it's a nice thing. It's a nice idea in theory. Um, you'd hope that there'd be enough money to keep these guys going, but then where does it? I guess where does it end? What if they all die? Where does it? Where does the leftover money go? What to their kids? Or uh, I don't know. But no, it's definitely a good idea in theory. Um, Hip hop will turn fifty in the next few years, so yeah, something to think about. Yeah. What, what do you think, Cal? Bollocks, mate. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because all those cunts, <laughs> they were the ones that were covering for Africa Bambata back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have it right. When he was out piling in, they were all covering for him. So they can fuck off. So maybe on that note then, they can have the money, but they've got to pay nonce tax. And the nonce tax is higher than the money they get. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> 1.1 billion back in nonce tax. A nonce tax. <laughs> It's fantastic. <laughs> they've all got to pass a polygraph saying that they didn't know about Africa Bambara. If yeah. they pass the polygraph, they can have all the money they want. And like T said, the, the younger generation shouldn't have to do it at all. Jay-Z, Dr. Dre and Puffy can take care of it. To be fair, any one of those three could pay for like a fuckload of them and it wouldn't even dent the sides. No, exactly. We're talking about what, mate, I guess if you stretch it out, like, 30 people that seems a lot to me in terms of like the real connoisseurs of people that built the culture and if you take out if we're accounting for nonce tax then you know that's that number's going to go way down so you know i feel like they should this should have actually already happened thinking about it um it's, it's kind of weird isn't it when you've got billionaires in hip-hop and then people who invented it can't afford healthcare. that seems fucking mental yeah um yeah so, yeah, I, I'm in principle, I'd like to see the detail of how it's done. Yeah. But I, I kind of feel like this is something that should have happened already, right? If I, if I, had, if I was Jay-Z and I had 300 million in the bank and I found out Cool Herc was going to fucking die because he couldn't have an operation because he couldn't afford whatever it was, 25 grand, it, it just wouldn't even cross my mind to not sort that out. Yeah. And but, you never know, you know, someone like a Jay-Z or someone may have just done it and not made a big thing about it. Mate, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I'm not picking on Jay Z. I'm just saying, like, no, I know what you're saying. It's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not down to him or anyone else. And I actually think maybe that's why it hasn't happened because people are like, well, should I do it? Should is someone else doing this? Like, how do we like put some structure around this? And it would be, would be nice. Like T said, like coming up to fifty years, it would be nice for some recognition um, for that achievement. Now that hip hop is essentially the biggest music uh, genre in the world. It would be really nice for perhaps the younger generations to understand a bit more about where that's come from. And it would be nice for some 
some of those kind of like leaders in in hip hop to to push that agenda a bit more and actually kind of celebrate the the history and the foundation of where it's come from. And we've spoken before about um, you know rock and roll hall of fame and the fact that sort of the hip hop hall of fame kind of died away a little bit. I wouldn't mind seeing someone like a, a P Diddy or or a Jay Z or you know someone a leader from from the hip hop community that's very financially secure to to bring something like that back, like just just celebrate the past um, of the culture and the and the music because yeah. it needs a bit of love, I think, mate. I think other genres are, celebrate the history much better than than hip hop does, and I'd I'd like to see those you know leaders in this. And maybe this, you know, um, Swiss Beats suggestion is like the start of this process. And maybe when we've been in lockdown and some of these acts have been back in the line like that, it's kind of back in people's minds, maybe. don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it'd be good to see, um, the, the, you know, the older rappers again, Puffies and, you know, all of that lot, help help the younger guys look after their money and invest their money. Uh, in boxing, Al Heyman, he's he's kind of like a manager. He's a manager advisor person. And he he manages over two hundred fighters, and not only does he pay them really well, he helps them invest their money, so they've got generational wealth. And it'd be good to see you know someone, one of the leaders of of hip hop, help the younger rappers do that as well. It's a good point, mate. It's a very good point, and and from a you know a societal point of view, I think that's that's one of the kind of important things. You know, you, you're taking in the in the main anyway people from um, you know difficult social backgrounds and economic backgrounds, and then suddenly having millions of dollars. It's very easy to, and there's so many you know examples in you know not just in hip hop but in sport and around the world of you know these young men predominantly getting a lot of money very early and and kind of losing it all from kind of lack of support from a financial point of view. So yeah, I agree. I totally agree, mate. I think like leadership in the hip hop community, like it could. It could it would be nice to see elevate that both ways. Like, look, treasure the past and, and help secure the future. Yeah. So we were talking about um, Swiss, Beat, Swiss Beats, a.k.a. Ross Geller, um, talking <laughs> about uh, verses. And the, the verses thing, I know we, we've, we've spoken about it before with the whole DJ Premier and RZA, uh, like, battle. And I know we've had a few others since... Um, Nelly versus Ludacris, and I think like everyone's kind of major issue is is just the sound quality. Um, like the matchups make kind of logical sense on paper. There's some great tunes from both artists, and then when you actually watch it, it's kind of a bit glitchy. Sound quality shit, and yeah, just just an odd format. Really great idea, but an odd format. Um, but most of the matchups on paper are like, yes, this makes total sense. There's been a rumor circulating. Um, for the last couple of weeks, uh, as we record, based on uh, Noriega, Nori basically tweeting that he'd spoken to DMX and DMX was very interested in doing one of these versus battles and that Eminem was very interested in battling DMX. Now, every other battle that has been prompted, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Two equivalents. The thought of Eminem versus DMX doing a... 20 track like for like battle is the weirdest matchup I think I could think of probably I, I, it just sounded horrible to me um T what, what, what I don't know if you heard this rumor and if you had mate what, what were your thoughts on this as a potential matchup it'd be very weird because um it's long been said about Eminem it doesn't really have bangers songs that really make people yeah. get out of their seats I mean, it might just be me and I'm not got um I'm on an encyclopedia on Eminem, I've not heard any of his songs and think, fuck, I'm going to jump out of my seat and really go into this. And DMX is a polar opposite. Yeah. You know, he's going, he's going, what's my name? And, you know, what you want and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it's a very, very weird matchup. It had just gone quiet. I mean, it was a couple of, it's a few weeks back and it's gone quiet ever since. But, yeah, I think DMX may win just by virtue of having more party bangers. Not by yeah. being a better MC. Yeah, I mean... You, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think it's gone quiet maybe because, well, two things. It might have been bullshit from Nori just to kind of promote his his self and just to get some chat going and, you know, just kind of like get things circulating. Um, but also maybe they just looked at the backlash because everyone was like, nah, this is not the one. Um, I, I don't, I do not get this at all. Um, I think it's a fucking mental shout for exactly the reasons that you said. DMX is all about big anthems that are just fucking raucous and leery. And Eminem just isn't that. Like, for all of his positive features, he's just not that. Um, Cal, what were your thoughts on that, mate? 
Yeah, like uh, uh, at first thought, I was like Eminem would smash DMX because he's like a much better rapper. But T just made a you know a completely valid point, and he's pretty much summed it up. Really, is that Eminem doesn't have bangers. He doesn't, you know, Bitch Please 2 is the closest thing he's got to a banger, and that's just a Snoop Dogg remix. That's all that is. Right. Um, he, no, yeah, I, I have no interest in seeing it. These, I think these, this, this thing with the battle was Jump the Shark weeks ago. I don't, I'm bored of it. Or I was bored of it. I think it kind of peaked at Rizzo premiere. Yeah. And everything since then has just been shit, you know, and there was the whole Teddy Riley debacle. Um, I saw 112 did one with Jagged Edge. Uh, the other day, which might have been fun. I imagine the ladies would have liked that, but it's just, I'm over it. I've, I've got no interest in it. And yeah, Eminem and DMX, weird, weird. And Norrie's always been a bit liberal with the truth, to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what it appears to be is they were hanging out, him and DMX, and it's probably like, oh, let's just start a room and that'd be funny. And then it's just gone massive and they're probably just pissing themselves, laughing about it and just not giving a shit. Um, but yeah. I, Everything you boys have said, I totally agree with. Such a weird um, matchup on paper. And actually, the kind of process is a little bit flawed, which is like, it would be really interesting to to throw on a load of instrumentals with, let's say, Premiere, just playing instrumentals, not his own, just playing instrumentals, and Eminem and DMX going back to back. That would be fucking amazing. I'd love to see that. That, that to me, is interesting. Because you've got two MCs just dropping bars, and you can see it. And I, I always... Um, I think about it a lot, which is, I think it's on the Fade to Black um, DVD, which is DMX and Jay-Z, and there's a couple of others there, and they're just they're just freestyling over some beats. Um, and it's amazing. And I'm sort of like, there's not enough of that in hip-hop nowadays, of just like a couple of MCs and a DJ just playing random instrumentals and just them just rapping. That I'd like to see. But if you're playing just singles, going back to back, like, why do I need ludicrous to play a ludicrous song to know whether it's better than a nelly song played by nelly why can't i just have a, a dj going here's two songs which one's better it's, like it's a weird process it's weird yeah i agree it's weird as to be to be fair though i think they've been the man about a killer probably the best one that and um resident premiere are probably the best of the series yeah it's a good shout but then to be fair that kind of backs up my point which is like the beanie man and bounty killer was like DJs just just dropping bangers and them two just going at each other. That that's interesting. Like that that is a battle at that point. Whereas if yeah. you just had like um, Beanie Man at home, Bounty Killer at home playing their own songs to each other, it's just that is yeah, that that would be shit. <laughs> be shit. The so, Beanie Man one was great because he threw the police out. That was just amazing. <laughs> and also just like the the dance in there that the um, the guys with the. Um, like the funeral guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it wrapped over that. <laughs> it was amazing. And it was just like, it was really well humoured, but it was like, it kept up with like traditional like clash and dancehall culture. Like it was perfect. And I feel yeah. like hip hop culture isn't sitting at home in your mansions playing your, your songs. It's yeah. fucking going against each other on the mic. And we haven't seen any of that. And I think that's been a shame. Um, and that's what I actually thought this might be, but it seems like the, the rumours have died down. Um, but sticking with DMX, DMX, lo- I love DMX because I just think he he's just a bit mental, like genuinely, just does mad shit. Like he was a he was at the prime of his career, multi millionaire, and then decided to go to an airport with his mates and steal cars. Why? <laughs> Why <not? laughs> like he's a nutty geezer. And if you've ever listened to um, some of the Combat Jack podcasts. And there's one called Mogul, which is about uh, Chris Lighty, who was like a famous agent, agents of 50 Cent and some other people. DMX was a fucking lunatic. Like he would just like walk into a record label, just fucking glass someone for just doing like dissing him and offending him. Like he's, he's a crazy guy. And so I like the fact that he will say mad shit, but he said some mad shit this week. Uh, first of all, he came out and basically said uh, Lloyd Banks is a shit rapper. He's not a real lyricist. So obviously this created a lot of like furore because there's one thing, you know, you can, you can diss Lloyd Banks about a lot of things, but I'd say like the one, the one thing that he's got is bars. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was kind of mental. Then when everyone piled in, he was like, he did a bit of like, <laughs> I don't know if it's like a real Brentism, but he was a bit like, ah, oh, no, it's not you. It's the other one. Uh, <laughs> Tony Yayo, that's who I'm thinking of. 
um, which which made it funnier because it was like, how are you getting Lloyd Banks, Tony Yayo confused? And then it was like, oh, so now he thinks Tony Yayo's a piece of shit as well. Um, so the whole thing was just hilarious. Um, and Cal, I as soon as I saw this story, I just thought of you immediately because I know how much you love Lloyd Banks, and it made me piss myself laughing. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to get your um, get your view on the whole debacle, mate. Yeah, the first I saw of it was Lloyd Banks responding. Mm. And it was him saying something on the lines of, you're saying this about me because I didn't come to the studio with you that time or something. And he was t- he told a story about DMX had asked him to go to the studio and do a song with him, but he couldn't because he had to catch, catch a flight to go somewhere else. And uh, yeah, he kind of responded in that way and then didn't say anything else. He's not really one that courts the limelight banks. But yeah, I remember I remember hearing that and thinking, Fuck off, mate. Like, DMX <laughs> has probably got more legendary status than than Lloyd Banks has. He's probably made more hits and more bangers. But Banks is a much better rapper than DMX. I'm sorry. He's a much better rapper. And he's probably made a lot more money as well. Um, and yeah, so I thought it was really, really weird. But it was really funny that he said about Tony Ayo as well, because that's probably valid. <laughs> as much as I love Tony Ayo, it was like, it's valid. Like, he's... He's, he's a bit basic <laughs> and yeah. yeah yeah i understood it i understood what, it but what, what's banks... dmx's legacy by the way yeah it's interesting isn't it because he's got he's had hits isn't he he's had hits and he's had bangers but has he got a classic album has he got music that's got people are going to listen to in 20 years from now has he made he's made like i really like is it tripping i really like that song uh, slipping, sorry, slipping. I really like slipping, and I, I liked his more introspective kind of rap. Um, but yeah, he's not. I don't. It's interesting what his legacy is, really. What do you think, John? Um, one of the best ever. One of the best. <laughs> Air far. Um, DMX <laughs> has he got classic albums? Yes, he's got two. Was he the biggest artist in hip hop at one time? King of New York, absolutely. Has he got bangers? People still listen. When when fucking. Party up or any of, of Rough Riders anthems come. Everyone now loses their fucking mind. Like it, it, ultimate bangers. Like not just like as you got bangers in the hip hop world. Everyone knows fucking DMX tracks. Um, he yeah, he's got to, he's got to be considered one of the best to ever do it. I really think that. Wow. What do you think, T? <laughs> I don't know, man. DMX. It's got a very weird place in hip hop history. I'd say. Um... I wouldn't say he's on Mount Rushmore or anything, but I think he's got a special place, like in his own in his very own lane. King of New York, John, are you fucking? <laughs> hey, well, he he had a run where he was he was bigger than Jay Z. Fuck, he had two albums in a year, and that was it. This you you've got this fucking it's the same. You've got this fucking big L kind of logic that you use, where you say stuff that just doesn't make sense. Mate, I, I think you'll find. <laughs> I, I think you'll find that there will be more people agree that DMX is not. I mean, first of all, Lloyd Banks is nowhere near on the level of DMX as a rapper. That is, that is mental. Um, He's much nicer rapper than DMX. Oh my god, he does his bark twenty-seven times a song. See this, this you're showing. See hashtag research here. Um, listen, listen to listen to Damien on on uh, DMX. No, then you'll realise. That Lloyd Banks is just some... He's basically just uh, the East Coast Snoop Dogg, mate. He's just a fucking shit mug. <laughs> shit mug. Lloyd, Lloyd Banks will be doing fucking Deliveroo adverts, mate, in a week. Trust me. <laughs> I heard that Banks ghost wrote most of DMX's best stuff anyway. <laughs> I heard, I heard um, um, Banks, actually, um, his ghostwriter is Tony Yayo. And Tony Yayo actually uh, ghost wrote the Just Eat advert for Snoop, so full circle, mate. <laughs> to be fair, Tony Yayo's verse on Ain't No Click is better than DMX's whole discography. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Oh, dear. Fair, fair, fair enough. You can't argue with that uh, logic, really. Um, but yeah, in, in all seriousness, um, DMX getting people wrong is, is really funny, and nice. Uh, yeah, got loads of time for that. We've got a couple of really, really good questions that we want to get through. Uh, first one comes from Remy Rifkin, aka at Chucky Bizzle. 
I thought this was a great question. He's just put favorite beat that no one else talks about. I love uh, Noriega, nothing, but no one ever talks about it. The best Neptune's beat. Um, I mean, people do talk about that. That's a fucking gr- that's a great beat. Um, I guess the one that people talk about with Neptune's is grinding. Yeah. Because that just was fucking everywhere. But nothing is also an absolute banger. Um, T, let's start with you, mate. What's your um, What's your favourite beat that no one talks about? Or just just general beats that um, general beats that people don't talk about that you I've love. got I've, I've got to go off the top of the head here because I've not researched, but um. When I think of Noriega, I think of um, Oh No. Um, that was um, the first single and the second album he did. Um, love the beat on that. And that doesn't get talked about a great deal. Um, in, terms of, in terms of anything else, I guess a lot of the beats that really spring to mind are stuff that people already talk about a lot. Mm. And I think Danger, Danger Master did an album of MF Doom called, um, fuck, what's it called? Danger Doom. The Mouse and the Mask. Mm. And there's a track in there with Talib Kweli, and I forget the name of it, but I love the beat on that. I think um, I think the song's called A Mouse in the Mask as well. I have to look that one up. But yeah, that one, that's the beat that no one really talks about. And the album too. Fair point. How about you, Uh So, do you know what? The way, the way I think, thought about this was sometimes you, like, discover beats via freestyles. So you don't know the song, but then a rapper that you like or you're following at that time, will do a freestyle over it. And one that stands out to me is Last Days by Onyx. Yeah, great show. Um, and I I didn't really know it that well. I don't know Onyx's music really at all. Um, but I there was a freestyle, uh, I think it was Freeway, Beanie Siegel, Joe Budden, and someone else, it was Styles P. And they did it on a DJ Green Lantern mixtape, and they did it over that over that and i was like fuck this beat's great what is this and then i realized it was onyx um and then obviously you know there's obviously the easy ones like triumph and stuff like that but that's not that's that doesn't really count on this conversation um really world war three rough Riders. is that swiss beats uh no ross geller mate oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that, but yeah that one that one kind of stands out woe by black rob yeah bang uh, that that was a banger that was that really really was and then it was a really really long remix that they did with like everyone and their mum was on it all the shit bad boy rappers ended up on the remix as well it was great um yeah those are the last days onyx was the one that that really really stood out to me i think i think Norrie's quite fortunate with beat actually i mean on his first album he had um band from tv yeah big pop and all that yeah yeah, he got um, Norrie, N-O-R-E, which is another banger. Mm-hmm. And then a tune, was it Norrie versus John Blaze? What fucking album was that off? Oh, oh. I don't know if it was the first or second album. That was another one which had a really, really good beat to it as well. Yeah, to be fair, and he's also like, um, with the like CNN stuff, he obviously had premiere beats and stuff like that. He's, he's been, yeah, he's been pretty um, pretty smart with beat selection. Yeah. Uh, probably talked to Nas. Um <laughs> Mine's going to be a bit more hipster because a bit like Cow, I think some of the times when I heard beats, they were that really like resonated with me. They weren't like tracks; they were more like on some of the mix tapes and CDs. And Lyricist Lounge Volume One, there's oh, yes. some fucking great instrumentals on there. A couple that spring to mind: um, "Bring Hip Hop Back" by Cipher Complete. Fucking love that instrumental; it was amazing. Um, and then also on um, some of the Raucous Record stuff. Um, there's a Diamond D track on there. I'm just looking it up so I don't get it wrong. Uh, well, actually, there's a couple. So there's one, uh, Crosstown Beef, Medina Green. Mm-hmm. Crosstown Beef be like Crosstown Traffic. That is fucking banger. Um, there's also When It when it Pours, It Rains um, by Diamond. That beat as well is is amazing. There's, there's loads of good um, instrumentals on that album. Uh, 1999 by Common. That's amazing, um, which I think is high tech produced that. So there's loads. There's loads of really uh, underrated instrumentals. I could talk about them all day um, if I sat here and really thought about it. Um, Thelonious by Common. That's another good one. Yeah. Is that... That's Diller, isn't it? That beat? Yeah, that's Diller. Yeah, which is amazing. And actually, um, I was thinking about some Slum Village stuff, Reunion, which I always thought was produced by Jay Diller, but it's not. Um, Reunion, Slum Village. Fucking amazing. Look of Love as well. Yeah. Again, lo- loads of good Slum Village Dilla beats as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we could talk all day. And, and what's interesting about this is like what we're what we're saying. No one ever talks about. We've probably listed some that that someone's personal favorite beat. So yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting subject because sometimes there are instrumentals that you're like, fucking hell, this instrumental is amazing, but the song's actually not that big. And there are some yeah. songs that are massive and the, the beat's just fine. Like, it's just nothing. Um, so, yeah, interesting subject. Great question. Thanks for that. Um, Shytown Spurs is asked, if you could trade your voice with any rapper ever, would you? And if so, who? Cal, talk to me. Two. Two. I've got two. I'm probably going to take one of yours, John. Common. Yes, yeah, strong. Because I would get so much moggy if I fucking had his voice. Like, oh my God, that guy's voice. I want to yeah. get his audio book because he does have a sexy voice. Can't hate on the guy at all. Yeah. Um, and someone a little bit more realistic. <laughs> Paul Wall. Paul Wall. I just, want to talk, I just want to talk like Paul Wall for a day. You need to get a load of shit put in your mouth. Yeah. Uh, Pow wow. Just a pow wow. Yeah. His voice <laughs> is, is mental. But yeah, I could see that, Cal. I could see his little. Um, pull that off. Yeah. yeah. You, could, you could maybe make some money doing like a Paul Wall impersonation tour. Yeah. You know, just do the like... drive slow verse and then yeah. go home. <laughs> exactly. It'd be perfect. Um, good shout. T, what are you saying? I feel like I talk about this guy in every single fucking episode, but Tyler's got a great speaking voice. Yes. Oh, great shout. And uh, probably Chuck, his voice just seems to command attention. So, yeah, probably those two. Yeah, it's a good shout. I um, I was thinking about this. I mean, it's technically not right because it's not a rapper, but um, someone in hip-hop. I, I really like Premier's voice because he's so gruff and just yeah, like... Yeah. Rowling, because obviously because of the kind of like Texas connection, he hasn't got a typical New York twang either. He's got like this sort of like Texan draw as well. Mm. Um, so it's, it's just quite a, like very iconic voice. He needs uh, a fucking lozenge though. Come on. Yeah, I know, I know. He's a little, <laughs> bit, too, he's a little bit too gruff, but um, but I do, I do always like listening to him because I just think his voice is just fucking like rascal. Um, aside from that, like Method Man, great voice. Oh yeah. God, yeah, yes. Yeah. Great voice. Like his speaking voice is really cool. And then when he raps, it's really cool. So it's like, um, I, I wouldn't mind switching with Method Man. I think that'd probably be my choice. I'm getting flashbacks to texting T and saying, do um, DJ permission talk on tracks. I vividly <laughs> that, remember that, saying that's that. That's unburned for you. That's unburned for you. That is the sort of thing I would say. Guru had a great voice. Bless him. He had a great voice as well. Yeah, icon iconic, iconic voice. This is again as a, an aside, but an interesting subject matter. I was listening to um, a couple of Gangstar tracks the other day, and there are times when I listen to Guru, and I'm like, "Are you really individual and brilliant, or are you just a bit shit?" <laughs> Wait, what? What? what was yes. that? Did you say? I'll give you, I'll give you the exact example. Listen to it, and you you can tell me. Hang on, let me find it. Let me find it. It's a very specific gangstar track and i was like this this is a bit of a bat like maybe it's just that one verse and i wasn't really paying much attention but i was listening to it going this doesn't this just isn't good um what was it i'll find it and i'll send it to you and Do i'll you know what, though it's interesting because i think you're right i think guru as a lyricist is quite basic yeah like but or was quite basic but he had a great voice, great delivery, and he had charisma. And it's in, it's interesting because me and T were talking about this the other day because Crooked Eye and Joel Ortiz brought out their album the same day as Gibbs did. And I said something on the, along the lines of, I almost feel bad for them too because they've probably worked for ages on this on this album, bringing this album out. And then Gibbs announces an album the day before and he's shit all over them. And they're both really good rappers, but they've got no charisma. They're boring. And Guru had charisma. It's the same with Freddie Gibbs. You just want to hear what they've got to say, even if it's not, nothing amazing. I find Gerald Ortiz and Crooked Eye, they're good rappers. They're technically yeah. good. Yeah. There was just nothing about the album that I remembered. I don't remember anything about the album. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're both technically really good, aren't they? But, we, you know, I said this to T as well the other day. We... They, I loved Slaughterhouse. I was a massive Slaughterhouse fan. But their strength was the collective, the four of them. Yep. But individually, you take them individually, and yes, there's some good projects scattered amongst all of them, but then they're not as consistent without the collective. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think that's that. That's probably the same problem that a lot of rappers have. There's a lot of really talented rappers who've got bars, mm. but just for whatever reason, it doesn't like connect with people. And and often, like actually, like the more simplistic bars resonate with people more. Like sometimes it's just too good. Like it's too complex, too technical, and it just doesn't yeah. do anything for people. Um, I found the track. It's called "What I'm Here For." Okay. Um, Daily operation. It's a fucking banger, don't get me wrong. And I, and the, I just want to make this absolutely clear. I'm not fucking slandering Guru across the board. It's just the first time I'd ever thought, what if he's not that great? And actually, we've all just been conned that his simplistic style uh, was actually just because he's not that great, rather than a kind of cultivated skill set. And this track, it just, it just, I was just zoned out and it just cut through me. And I was like, this is bad. Like, this is bad. And then I was like, felt this guiltiness of like, but it's fucking guru. Like you could, you're not allowed to think that. And so it just got me thinking. So a little bit of homework, listen to what I'm here for. Um, listeners, please do the same thing and tell me if I'm being a shit twat, shit mug. Um, Is this just an opportunity for you to suck off DJ Premier a bit more? <laughs> he's the best part of Gangstar. And if you don't think that you're a fucking idiot. Um, oh, but like you talk about M&M's the beat. T as well. Huh? You pronounce the T. That's how you know. Serious. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> You're an absolute... It's so British, isn't it? You're an absolute idiot. You're an absolute idiot and a fool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Premier is the best half of Gangstar. Come on. It's like, I remember you did that really great impression of Eminem's production. <laughs> and I, I wish I could do a, a, a good impression of DJ Premier's production because it is all the same. It's just bump, 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 and then scratchy, scratchy, scratch, and then bump, 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 shit. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that sounded like Simon Says. Some scratching and then that's it. I'm so rubbish. Yeah, you're right. Premier's a shit cunt as well. <laughs> what, what we've learned is there's there's no everyone's shit. Yeah, everyone is shit in hip hop. You've heard it here first. No good producers, no good rappers, no good songs. Everyone's a shit cunt everyone's except Coach shit. AO and Ross Geller. But anyone can get it. Yeah, anyone can fucking get it. Um <laughs> been a pleasure boys thanks so much uh enjoyed that really good fun as always um thanks for your time lads um if people want to follow you t where can i get at you mate felonious filth everywhere 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 son everywhere what about you callum uh, at bc the grand slam everywhere thanks for joining us really appreciate everyone uh, getting involved with your questions and stuff like that please keep an eye out on socials uh, if you want to leave us a review do that and then also tell us your top five mcs of all time your personal favorites not who you think's the best just your personal favorites uh and also tell me if you think guru's a shit mug um and we will see you people for the next episode peace thank you for listening to the notorious pod a hip-hop podcast this was a hip-hop forum episode so a special thank you to cow and t for their insight as always big up to man like grindhouse who's made all the theme music for the show so please follow him on twitter and show him some love at music grindhouse and on spotify by searching for grindhouse that's g-r-i-n-d house Please remember to leave us a review, or as we call it, your five for five. So give us a five-star review, and in return, you can leave us your top five favourite MCs of all time. Remember, we'll be adding all the songs mentioned and featured in our episodes on a Spotify playlist. So if you search for the Notorious Podcast Joints, you will find it. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D. On Instagram, we're at the Notorious P-O-D. And follow me on Insta and Twitter at the Real John Bass. That's J-O-N-B-A-S-S. See you next time. Peace. Peace.